how often do you ask the question, what is wrong with our world? Yeah. Yeah, if we're honest with ourselves, when we turn on the news or we log into social media, we subconsciously, if not consciously, ask this question almost every day. Man, where is our world going? What is wrong with our world? Well, the psalmist today, in Psalms chapter 2 is where we will be, the psalmist is going to answer that question for us. And we're going to read the 12 verses in Psalm chapter 2, then come back and break them down this morning. So let's start reading here in Psalms chapter 2, verse 1. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The psalmist is saying, what's wrong with our world? <laughs> is what he's saying in this first verse. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laugh. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree the Lord said to me, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage, and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron, and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Let me give you just a little background here on this psalm as we start out this this beginning of this book, Psalms 2 is closely tied to Psalms 1. Jewish tradition had the two Psalms originally together as one, in our, but in our Bible today, these two Psalms are separate, but they stand as a doorway into this majestic book. In a sense, these two Psalms seem to be out of place compared to the rest of the book. Psalms 1 seems like it would fit better in Proverbs in the wisdom literature, and Psalms 2 seems like it would fit better in the messianic passages of the prophets. Psalms 1 and 2 stand here together at the beginning to make it clear that this book is more than just ancient poetry. This book is more than just the hymnal of the Jews. It is the inspired word of God that finds its fulfillment in the Lord Jesus Christ. As you've heard me say, there are prophecies all throughout the Old Testament that scream of the coming of our Lord. And this is one of those this morning. Psalms 1 contrasts the way of the righteous and the way of the wicked. And it bids us to choose which way we are going to live. 
then Psalms 2 warns us that there are consequences to the choice that we make. Psalms 1 declares the Lord's authority over individuals, and Psalms 2 declares the Lord's authority over nations. And both are essential for our confidence in God. It's hard to trust that God is in control of the affairs of your life if you do not believe that God controls the unfolding and outworking affairs of history. It's easy to trust that God has your little life in his hands if you believe that he has the whole world in his hands. That is the message of Psalms chapter 2. It is the assurance that no one, nothing, can stand against God's chosen king and God's chosen people. There's also assurances for the church today. Psalms 2 is a royal psalm that has its fulfillment in our Lord Jesus Christ. So let me state the point of Psalms chapter 2 before we break it down in two words for you today. It's easy. Jesus reigns. Jesus reigns. I know that it may not seem that way when we're asking ourselves that question, what's wrong with this world? It may not seem that Jesus reigns, but he does. He rules over heaven and earth. And Psalms chapter 2 declares the unimpeachable authority of Jesus in four movements through these 12 verses. First, we see the rebellion of sin in verses 1 through 3. The psalmist says, Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? This is a rhetorical question. It pictures an international conflict that is happening. It is described in two ways. The nations rage. People of different nations and nationalities have gathered as mobs in the street, and this mob scene is no emotional reaction as the bottom of the verse says that these people plot in vain that word plot is the same hebrew word for meditate so in psalms chapter one you have these people in in verses psalms chapter two the godly meditate as it says in psalms chapter one on god's word but in psalms chapter two the wicked are plotting and scheming in vain You see the contrast here between these two. Same word. Whatever the world is up to, the psalmist wants to make it clear in the opening verse, it's not going to work. The craziness in this world, it's not going to work. They are plotting in vain. Verse 1 pictures a rebellion that is a grassroots movement. But verse 2 expounds on it and says this rebellion actually reaches into the highest halls of human authority. Verse 2, the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together. This is military language in which to take a position for war. The kings take counsel together. Think about that. It's hard to get political leaders to agree on anything. But here in Psalms 2, it provides a coalition of worldwide rulers that have decided it's time to go to war. 
What enemy could be so threatening? Calvin, you can throw the verse up there. What enemy could be so threatening to these rulers? Verse 2 says, against the Lord. This rebellion on earth, the reason why they are coalescing together is against our Lord Almighty. That is the threat. That is the threat to these nations. Not the, a general notion of a God, but Jehovah God, the God of the Bible. We see this rebellion playing out in multiple ways every day when you ask that question, what is wrong with this world? What is wrong with this world? But there is one major rebellion playing out before our eyes today that we are seeing in real time. We have a movement in our world that declares themselves to be something different than what God has created them to be. And the rulers of this world have aligned together to tell the Lord God that he is not the creator. That he is not in charge of biology and that they are going to fix the mistake that God has made. Let's see how Psalm says that all of this rebellion is going to play out. God's work on this earth is playing out, verse 2 says, through whom? The anointed. You'll notice there it is capitalized. The word anointed is capitalized in our Bible, and this is a foreshadowing of the coming of the Messiah our Lord Jesus Christ. What's wrong with this world? The psalmist says that mankind is against God the Father and against his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what's wrong with this world. That's why the nations rage. Verse 3 is a mission statement, if you will, of these nations against God. Go on to verse 3 there. It says, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. Notice in verse 3, they paint God's authority as a picture of bondage and cords. That is how these rulers paint God's authority. The wicked view God's way of life as slavery and bondage. The rebellious heart is always trying to throw off divine authority. This is why the psalmist asks incredulously in verse 1, why? Why do the nations rage? During the French Revolution, there was one of the revolutionaries that climbed to the top of the Cathedral of Notre Dame and broke off the cross off its spiral and threw it to the ground to the shock and horror of the crowd below. When the revolutionary climbed down off the spiral, he told the crowd that we will destroy every vestige that reminds you of God. The story says that someone shouted from the crowd, you will have to pull the very stars from the sky. Human rebellion against divine authority, we see from the psalmist, 
is absolutely futile. Verses 1 through 3 shows us the rebellion of human sin. Verses 4 through 6 show us the response of the sovereign. What is God doing while the nations rebel? Maybe you asked yourself the question, you've gone from what is happening in this world to where is God? Maybe that's the next logical step in the questions that you're asking. Let me first tell you what the Lord is not doing. He is not pacing heaven's floor in confusion. He is not whisked away to some undisclosed location for his protection. While the nations rage, God is where he has always been and where he will always be, and that is seated on his throne. That is where he is, and verse 4 tells us what he is doing. He who sits in the heavens laugh. Human rebellion is divine comedy. God laughs at mankind attempts to get rid of him. Do you know who God is? God is the one who stepped out before history's dawning and broke the silence of a not yet universe with his own voice by declaring, let there be light. And if you think you're going to get rid of God, God laughs at mankind. Verse, the second part of verse 4, it says, the Lord holds them in derision. This laugh is not a laugh of hilarity, but a laugh of derision. When God laughs, it's not funny. God's not laughing with us. He is laughing at us, and he holds them in derision. Verse 5, Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. This is God's message to mankind. It's too late. I've already set my son on my holy hill. Think about that. We got here too late, and we will leave too early to overthrow the government of God. He has already set the Lord Jesus Christ on his holy hill of Zion. So no matter how bad things look, the Lord Jesus Christ will have the last word in the world that we live. Doesn't that give us comfort? Man, it should. So we see the response of the sovereign. Third, we see the reign of the sun. So at this point in our psalm, we have the psalmist speaks, the nations speak, the Lord speaks, and now the son speaks. Verse 7, I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. This verse 7 is referenced several times in the New Testament, pointing to different things of Christ. It's referenced in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 5, pointing to the authority of Christ and his deity. It also declares his resurrection. Psalm, or, uh, the Apostle Paul said in Acts chapter 30, 13, verse 32, it says, And we bring you the good news that what God promised to the fathers, 
This he has fulfilled to us, their children, by raising Jesus. As also it is written in the second psalm, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Paul is saying, this is the good news. He even references Psalm 2 by name. He says, this is the good news that what God has promised to our fathers, he has fulfilled for us, his children, by raising up Jesus, as he prophesied in Psalm chapter 2. You are my son. Verse 8, ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. Verse 8 is significant because it answers the question in verse 1. The nations that rage against the Lord are the Lord's gift and heritage to his son, Jesus Christ. He has made the ends of the earth his possession, meaning that Jesus Christ is not just king over the Jews. He is the king of kings and lord of lords and this entire earth end to end is his possession. The ends of the earth, which in Psalms 2 is an allusion to the Great Commission from Jesus in Matthew chapter 28. All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And we know that this possession, the nations, Revelation chapter 2 tells us that every tribe and tongue will bow before our Lord and call him Christ, our Messiah, the King. Not only does Christ reign, but Christ judges. Verse 9, you shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Again, foreshadowing to the second coming of Christ when he will come and take this madness and he will bring order and rule and reign. The last section of the psalm provides the requirements for submission. There is a warning that the psalmist gives to us here. Now therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth. As a king always counts his cost before going to war. If the king cannot win, he makes peace before the battle begins. You can't win against the Lord Jesus Christ, so it bids the kings and the rulers to be wise and count the cost. It says in verse 11, serve the Lord with fear. Note that, friends, everyone in this room and on this earth is a servant of some kind. Everyone, regardless of your status or position, serves something or someone. The problem is most of us serve ourselves. That is the problem. The one who serves themselves has a fool for a master. The only other way is to submit all that you are and all that you have to the Lord Jesus Christ. What does it profit a man, Jesus says, if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? What is a profit of a man if he lives in a big house with a gate and a pool, but his soul is homeless. 
What does it profit a man if he wears fancy European clothes, but his soul is naked before God? Serve the Lord with fear is our only hope. And it says in the last part of that, and rejoice with trembling. Verse, seven, verse 11 here is one of the most succinct descriptions of worship in all of Scripture. And rejoice with trembling. Rejoice with trembling. When we worship God together, it shouldn't be a, like a funeral. It shouldn't be like we're sitting in a doctor's office. I had to be there this week. Didn't like that. Shouldn't be like sitting in a doctor's office. We should rejoice. If you know who God is, you should not come into worship and have to wait for a song or a moment to put you in the mood to worship our amazing God. You should praise him for the goodness in your life. But you should rejoice with trembling. Because as we rejoice, we should recognize the holiness and sovereignty and majesty of an almighty God. Verse 12. Kiss the Son. This is a kiss of submission. A defeated general or a defeated king would kiss the hand or feet of a conquering king. The phrase, bow the knee, that is throughout history, is referencing this. You bow to kiss the conquering king. And here when scripture says, kiss the son, it is bidding us to submit to the authority of the Lord. It says, lest he be angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. You see, the only hope for a rebellious mankind is this Christ we proclaim by the means that God has given us. This news we proclaim is bad news. It's worse news. It's good news. And it's best news. It's bad news because we are sinners and our sin separates us from a holy God. It's worse news because there is nothing we can do to fix what we have messed up. It's good news because God sent his son Jesus to die on a cross to pay the penalty for our sins. And he rose from the dead for our justification. And it is best news because if the sinner runs to the cross today and trusts in Jesus, you can receive forgiveness and new life and eternal hope. Kiss the Son. Psalms 1 begins with a blessing. Beginning of Psalms 1 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. We see a blessing bracketed at the end of Psalms 2. It says, Blessed are all who take refuge in him. A refuge is a strong tower. It is a hiding place in times of trouble. Blessed are those who take refuge in the Lord. Psalms 46.1 says, God is our refuge and our strength. He is an ever-present help 
in trouble. God is our refuge, so we leave from our gathering today to proclaim Christ with hope and joy and strength because blessed are those, blessed are we who take refuge in him in this crazy world. When you're asking, what is wrong with this world? Where are we going to find our refuge in him? We are blessed to sing songs about God and Christ each week, and I really enjoyed the new song that Pastor Jay provided for us today, and I'm thankful, Pastor Jay, of his song selection. One of my favorite old hymns that the church has sung now for more than a century. It was written by a man named Horatio G. Spafford. You might not know that name, but he was a real estate agent in Chicago, and he lost all of his business success in the Chicago Fire of 1871. Trying to recover from the destruction of the business, and around that same time, he lost his young son of four years old, He prepared to take a trip across the Atlantic with his family. And as he closed out his last business affairs in Chicago, he sent his wife and children ahead on a separate ship. And as they crossed the Atlantic, the ship carrying, his wife and four daughters collided with another ship, killing all four of his daughters, and only his wife survived. Upon arriving in Wales, his wife sent him a telegram with two words. Saved alone. He left America shortly after on a ship to join his wife in Wales. And as he crossed the Atlantic, sitting there with hours and days to ponder he penned the words to this song and I want you to listen and read along with me the words will be on the screen to the words of this great old hymn and remember back to this question what is going on with this world We can face the craziness of this world with peace. And not just peace, but we can face it with joy. Because it is well with my soul. He said, when peace like a river attendeth my way, When sorrows like sea billows roll, watching that sea from the ship, whatever my lot, he's saying, God, whatever you send my way, thou hast taught me to say, it is well. It is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, 
lest this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his blood for my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin not in part but the whole is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. Oh, Lord, haste the day when my faith shall be sight. That day that we get to see our Lord when the clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. If you know this chorus, sing it with me.